1: We continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Richard Dave, and joining me on this Into the Unknown is...
2: I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and today we'll be discussing Episode 8 of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. yeah so what you think steve i enjoyed the episode it sure kind of felt like it was more of a lower decks episode with so much going on
1: <laughs> yeah I, you know uh, it, frantic yeah oh yeah frenetic yeah I thought I thought they turned down the scope a little. I mean, it wasn't galaxy wide or anything like that. But it wasn't a bottle
2: episode either because they didn't skimp on special effects at all. No. Yeah, and it just and- we had too much going on. It was we had the the book issue and Giorgio issue and mm. discovering more about the burn. It was just like holy cow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. It uh, even though they managed to touch on
1: all those things, at least it wasn't so broad that we. We just couldn't keep up with things, and I think that's uh, a credit to Frakes.
2: True. Very true. All right, shall we get into Episode 8? Why not? The Sanctuary. Burnham and the USS Discovery crew travel to Book's home planet to help rescue it from Osira, former leader of the Emerald Chain. Meanwhile, Stamets and Adira continue their search for valuable information on the origin of the Burn. And that don't count Giorgio.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep. We open as Giorgio talks with Culber, and it's assumed that she's seeing the medical officer talk about the flashes of Terran memories she's been experiencing the past couple episodes. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I, I when I first saw that, I'm like, huh? That's where we're going to open. Okay. Yeah. I <laughs> some. Yeah. We need some answers anyway. We didn't get too much in the last episode. Even though she ends up in the, the med bay, she's not the best patient.
3: No. <laughs>
1: she goes for help, and then she won't let, allow anyone to get close. Or, or give any information. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just here to humor you, Doctor. <laughs> Human. <laughs> she always has to maintain that position of power. Absolutely. <laughs> Fortunately, Culber's able to dish it right back to her, though. It's tough playing that verbal uh, fencing with her. Oh, yeah. And Culber it, did it amazingly well. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't go to NICU. She goes right for the heart. Yes. <laughs> Talking to <So he> children. <laughs> gets, yeah. I know. Directing her to an atomic stand while warning her that without intervention, her brain could deteriorate past a point of no return. I don't think that's what she wants. You're not going to get much witty repartee if your brain goes. Right.
2: <laughs> you can't be
1: the BA that you are. <laughs> I know. Meanwhile, Book seem- seeks out Michael to share some urgent news. I, I got a kick out of that because he's running down the hallways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's easier ways to finding her. It's a good thing yeah. you read into You're, You're in the 32nd century.
2: <laughs> Probably doesn't have a comm badge. No, I don't think he
1: does. I think he will. Yep. <laughs> Turns out his brother sent him a message from the whole planet equation, and it's under threat from the Emerald Chain. Can't get away from those guys. As Book explains further, in Vance's office, environmental changes followed the burn, caused the planet sea locusts to take to land and destroy their food supply. The chain offered a repellent in exchange for access to the transworms, and it seems they want something more. Man, they're tough. Not only to get not only the transworms being threatened, but they also threaten threaten the threat. Yeah. <laughs> Despite Vance's reservations, Michael and Captain Saru, who's doing pretty good as a captain, are able to get Discovery to go on the mission under a more diplomatic banner. Yeah. That was quick thinking too. Yes it was. <laughs> I think they're gonna get along well. We'll see how far they can push Vance. Yeah. We soon seen diplomacy will not work with the chain as we finally meet its leader, Osira. She didn't seem as intimidating as I hoped. Right. I mean, yeah, she, okay. She's the big bad, but I know, uh Philippa would frick see her in a half a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you... you wanna melt yeah, you wanna melt somebody with a look. Just get it from her. Yes, that was uh... like, yeah, I'm green, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and she, she confronts her nephew Toler about the prison break that happened on Hon Hao. Hun Hao. Hunhao. Hun Hao. With a particular fixation on the indoor escapee, Rin. Due to her reputation, O'Sara proves herself to be merciless as punishment for the slip up, she arranges for Toler to be eaten by a transworm just as she took out his father years ago. Okay, that was mean.
2: Yeah, just and a little bit. Transworms <laughs> themselves are pretty scummy. Yeah, I wonder who she's going to give Hunhan Han to now. <laughs> she, she
1: says to him, you know, that's why I call them transworms. It's not going to Bother you, and then it just eats them
2: <laughs> yeah and it, you hear him screaming so
1: yeah it did the trans it's, didn't work too well <laughs> it is a boomer reference uh, it's kind of like the ending to jaws yes. where captain <laughs> quint like he's halfway down to the opposite half from yeah. the shark there's your homework everyone see jaws if you haven't
2: yep back on board the discovery saru and new first officer tilly are trying out new catchphrases as they walk into engineering wow <laughs> Did know, you get the that thing, other thing? Yeah, did you get the feeling that Tilly was more of a an executive assistant there in that scene than the first officer?
1: <laughs> it's amazing how much he relies on her. Yeah. Oh, that other thing, a special project. Oh, you, your catchphrase? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did come off a little bit like that, but she she actually turned it badass later on.
2: Oh yeah. Now there, Stamets and Adira present the data about the burn that they've acquired from Navarre. Origin of the event seems to be in the Verbin Nebula, which is giving out an audio signal similar to the song we've heard in the previous episode. That's not surprising at all. No, it isn't. <laughs> they also isolate the noise and discover a... Th- federation distress signal in it now, i loved how they focused in on saru and you see his pupil just get big as hell and then they sh- cut to his ear and yeah kind of figure what the hell what is <sighs> saru actually hearing in this
1: it's good that they actually give these people like their superpowers things that distinguish them from the rest
2: right now as stamets convinces a deer to ride an Algorithm to decode it, they reveal in private mm. their preferred pronoun. And that was a great scene where she tells him, I'd rather be called they and them <laughs> instead of her. Yeah. Re- no problem. <laughs> okay, come on, you
1: guys. Let's go, everybody. <laughs>
2: yeah. Now, Book is nervous about going back home, namely because of his brother. Mm. Though, though not biological, the rift that developed between them still hurts when he started hunting tra- Worms for the chain. He's not looking forward to showing his new beau what has become of his planet. Of course, nobody wants to bring their uh, girlfriend. To, unfortunately, it's not meeting the parents, but yeah. family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, when Discovery jumps to Quajan, Saru decides to beam the two of them down to inspect the situation while they deal with the incoming Osiris problem. Now, did you think it was weird that Burnham dressed just like she was a courier and they kind of matched with, uh... <laughs> with
1: yeah. Yeah. At first, I thought they looked like uh, badass bathrobes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, oh, then they're trying to wear the clothes of Quajon, I thought. You think that's a, a courier thing? I guess she has to do something neutral. She can't go down there as Starfleet, I guess. Yeah. But she's instantly identified as Starfleet, so yep. I don't know what the difference is.
2: No. Elsewhere, Adira is mournfully playing the ch- fellow when Stamets finds them. (laughs) Them. Yeah. They reveal that deceased boyfriend and previous host Gray hasn't spoken with them recently. Fearful he is hiding.
1: Yeah, what do you make of that? Any thoughts?
2: I'm kind of like Stamets. It's one of those things where he may just need some time to really get a grip on what's actually happened, just like Adira is. I mean, she's undergoing an identity crisis and not sure who they're going to wake up as every day. One's why young would... and one's <laughs> the other. Yeah. Young.
1: Why wouldn't Gray talk to her though? Why is he hiding out?
2: Yeah. That's a good question. Unless. He's determined that she's going to have a life too. Yeah. Because yeah. You know, a couple episodes he was complaining that she wasn't, you know, all she was doing was working, eating and sleeping.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so he's jealous. Thanks yeah, a lot. Baby. I thought I stretched it out a little further. I thought they might have a collective intuition of what's going on in the galaxy. And they know more than they're letting on. They don't want to communicate that to her since they share thoughts anyway.
2: That's very possible that the Trill is definitely keeping important information from her. Right. I mean, you would have thought that as soon as they figured out that the sound emulating from the nebula was the song that Mm. Sinatol would pop in and say, yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. We didn't hear that.
1: Nope. (laughs) Strange.
2: Stamets tries to put her mind at ease with the duet. Who knew Paul knew how to play the piano? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I thought they were going to fake that at first and not show what his hands right. were doing. But then they did. But it was just playing, you know, some easy chords. So right. who knows?
2: Yeah. Now, Ren causes some discord as he storms into Saru's office, demanding he leave the ship and grumbling that the Federation favors <laughs> often come with strings attached.
1: Yeah, that's when uh, Tilly gets her badass moment. Hold on a second there. Yeah. <laughs> buddy, take a step back. Try that again. You have to get stern. These guys are so friendly on Starship. You, every once in a while, you have to show some authority. Yep. <laughs> I wonder what his past experience is with the Federation, though. They're not around that much, so how could he feel betrayed?
2: I think most of it is just from his upbringing as we hear later on in the. Yeah you know, in the episode, in that last scene with uh, Tilly.
1: Maybe you feel betrayed because they can't help the way they want. Right. Yeah. So, meanwhile, back on the planet, Quajon turns out to be a serene autumnal planet, much more natural than urban. It's nice. shes I, I like how uh, Michael was really taken with it. I'm like, haven't you been to Earth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, too. I'm pretty sure. Even the pesty sea locusts have a bright turquoise glow. But the calm is interrupted when Book and Michael get captured by a group of people, including Brook's brother, Kahim. They're taken back to to his home, and you could cut the tension between the brothers with a bat laugh. Taheem accuses Book of leaving his planet and family behind while Book chastises him for working with the chain. Man, the barbs go thick and heavy with all these people on this show. Oh, yeah. Kaheem reveals that the reason behind his message is knows Rin escaped with Book. And without him, in her possession, she may destroy Quajon in retribution. That's right. I can't have my guys, so I'm going to blow up an entire planet.
2: Right. So basically, (laughs) he sets his brother up. Yeah,
1: I know. Nice. In sick bay, Giorgio goes through the rare, a rare outfit change with her atomic scan. But as the scan goes along, things are far from routine. In the middle of it, she comes to on the verge of a s- cerebral hemorrhage and having emotional flashes from the mirror universe. And I was like, Oh boy. Yeah. This is great. Show us more. Body even gets to be affected, although she's like being pulled from somewhere else. This is getting fascinating.
2: Yeah. I, I couldn't decide if it was her universe trying to pull her back or if it was. She's programmable matter because it kind of looked that yeah, way. Yeah,
1: that was weird. I, I figured that's what the, the gel was acting like that. Right. That added that certain dimensionality to her. And that wasn't really her, although that maybe that's the gel reacted and looked like that through her, I guess. I'm just, you know, just thinking. I don't, if she acted that way physically herself, or like that would be pretty alarming. Yes. <laughs> her reveries literally break the scan, but she tries to recover by walking away and denying anything happened. That's typical. Yeah. <laughs> A Cyrus ship arrives, and the Emerald Chain and Discovery leaders come face to hollow face. So Western. While yeah. Saru tries to keep a straight face through diplomatic protocols, not that he could change his face that much, no, the Orion no. shoots him down, talking about the hubris of the Federation. Again, what do they know? Maybe it's just that the Federation has high ideals and plans, but they just can't execute them? Right. And yeah.
2: it was a nice back and forth between those two, and the hubris of the Federation, and Saru tries to jab back at her with the Orions being slaves, and oh, that didn't
1: yeah. go over too well either. No, I know. <laughs> truth hurts. She threatens them to give her Rin, or she will take out the planet. She next talks with Qahim, uh, who is brooding after nearly coming to blows with Book. She points out that the sea locusts could destroy their food again without the chain's help. Despite all this, Qahim refuses to give up Book, and true to her words, she begins a carpet bombing equation. Boom, boom, boom. I love those special effects.
2: Yeah. But it was really nice to see that they at least had some kind of defense system set up. And I know. It was pretty slick because you can't find anybody inside it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't see too many people on that uh, planet anyway.
2: No, it's we really did. Fun. We <laughs> <laughs> saw the few people that captured Book and Burnham, and that was about it.
1: <laughs> Any other movie, you'd see pieces of uh, buildings tumbling with scared citizens running to and fro.
2: Right. <laughs> As the planet goes up in flames around them, Book and Michael scramble to maintain its defense systems. What doesn't help is Chahim, who intervenes to scrap it out with his brother. <laughs> yeah. And above till <laughs> Tilly comes up with a plan to save the day. With knowledge of how to destroy, or at least with the knowledge of... Osiris's ship's weaknesses. Ren takes off in book's non-starfleet ship alongside Detmer to stop her. Yep, good moment for Detmer. Yes, a much needed no- moment for Detmer. Yeah, it's a big testing moment for the pilot who has seen her confidence shaken throughout this entire third season. But despite her reservations and shields only be at being at ten percent, she literally takes control and does some incredible flying piercing Osiris's defense and taking out all their weaponry. Yeah, the weapons generator.
1: Look, that's it on the outside of the ship over there. Yes! <laughs> Maybe that's the access point? I'm thinking to myself at first, really? Yeah. <laughs> the weapons generator is sticking out on the outside of the ship? That's not a good spot. oh no.
2: Gavri emerges victorious, but before leaving, Osira promises them the Federation will feel the full weight of the chain. Yeah, way
1: to go. What do you think Vance is going to say about that?
2: Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you people. Uh back on Kwejan, Book challenges Chaheem to kill him, but his brother just can't go through with it. So after Osira leaves, chaheem laments his situation, revealing he has a son. I love Burnham's reaction to the You have a son? I'm an uncle? (laughs) Yeah, while Book is reeling in surprise, Michael comes up with a plan to save the planet. With their combined empathic powers, as well as a little help from Discovery, they are able to encourage the sea locusts to go back to the water. Of course. Of course. The brothers finally see eye to eye and Quajon is famine-free as a result. And we back on the ship. Detmer <laughs> gloats about her badass maneuvers in the cafeteria, which was awesome. I love yeah. it. Owo says, oh, I'm gonna have to put up with yes. your watch over.
1: Now. <laughs> uh, just for about a week. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and Tilly sits down with Wren. Now, while he's grown up with rumors of a deceitful Federation, he finds her trusting enough to tell her that the chain is running out of dilithium, and that's the reason he was so valuable to Osira. because he's the only one that knows that. So why keep him alive? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I though, I wonder if there's rid- another reason. I think she probably would have gotten rid of him if she had gotten his her hands on him. Well, he was a slave on the on the planet for Tolor. Yeah, a that's
1: guy. true. Yeah, just get rid of him there. You don't you need him to be a slave because so she can watch videos of him for entertainment. Oh, right. look at him carrying that thing; it's too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I just bump him off. Right.
2: Yeah, you would think with a secret that big, she would have gotten yeah. rid of him much sooner. Yeah, we'll see. Unless there is another reason. Something romantic, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of romance floating around in this series, you know. I know, because here he is basically trying to start a revolution against her, and all she does is chop off his antennas.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they go back. I mean, that's like emasculating him because that's the worst thing he could do to him, perhaps.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: Mm. there's something going on there. (laughs) There is something going on there. I think. Meanwhile, Book and Michael give Kaheem and his son a tour of the ship. The brothers jokingly banter after before thanking each other for doing what they need to do for Quajon. In private, Book admits to Michael that the day has made him see the Federation in a new light concerning what it can do for the planets in need. And surprisingly, he wants in. So you know what that does. That diffuses the whole conflict about him being flying off to space and her going to have to rescue him. Of course, it does rob them of a few plots for rescue missions for every time Book gets himself in trouble. But that gets pretty old pretty fast. Right. As Michael walks off to fix his ship, he has a smile on her face telling how much she liked visiting his home. That was cute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that was a seriously pretty, though. Big grin that uh, Burnham had as she's walking yeah, yeah.
1: off. <laughs> she has a great smile.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously
1: though, that does uh, remove that plot line and that right. friction. Yep, he's going to stay aboard and work from there. I, I don't know if he's going to fly in unison or just keep his ship in the uh, you know in the shuttle bay. I can't see that either. Can you? Why don't you just fly along with them? Eh, I don't know. Yeah. One of these days they're gonna are gonna run into something like, Hey, hey buddy, we're gonna need that shuttle bay. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what to expect from him because if he because Burnham tells him he's gotta go talk to Saru and we'll see how that yeah. goes. I'm sure Saru's gonna let him stay on board. I don't know yeah. if he's gonna make him an officer or just a visitor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, and I thought the same thing of Rin, whether he's going to be a recurring character now. Right. Hmm. We haven't seen those two with each other, though they did, they spent the entire episode
2: apart, Rin and and book. That is right, yeah. Not since Poonhan have we seen yeah. them do any even speak to each other. So, yeah, it'll be weird. interesting to see their first discussion on Discovery. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: well, I wonder if he has any more information, really, other side aside from the dilithium shortage. I mean, who doesn't have that anyway, right? <laughs> so, I want to get through some Easter eggs, boomer talk, and tinfoil hat theories. So, you know what I noticed? The first thing, one of the funny things i noticed since Steve and I do a show on The Mandalorian, too, is uh, some of the crossover that sometimes, you know, maybe I'm reading too much between this show and Mando, right. like blue things flying around. Yes. I mean, they go to the Seating Stone in The Mandalorian. Oops. Well, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> and they got blue butterflies flying around. And here they have the blue sea locust. I'm like,
2: huh. Yeah.
1: And then there's the take on the cruisers. You know, there, we got Osiris cruiser. Right. And we got Moth's cruiser heading into you know, they're both beating up planets or hovering over planets and shooting, Boiler, alert. Like, that's interesting. They're not big, badass cruisers like we used to, like the Star Destroyers or even the, the star cruisers that we saw on Star Wars. Those are really giant. But they're like light cruisers, if you want to use a, a naval term. Right. Interesting commonality between the two shows.
2: Right. Occurring in the same week. I mean. I know. It's fascinating. weird. Fascinating.
1: Fascinating. Maybe it's me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, here's a good Easter egg. A map in Vance's office showed the Klingon zone. What'd you think of that?
2: That was pretty sweet. Now we haven't seen the Klingons yet, so.
1: Nope. Yeah, you and I have discussed it, Like where they, where are they? And we've seen a Romulan, and we pretty much know what they're up to now. But what are the Klingons up to? Right, they better be doing something.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem like they're in a battle with the chain yet. So maybe yeah. they're kind of doing what Earth is doing, and just saying, "I'm protecting my own." And Screw the rest of you. I hope they haven't been defanged. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. I kind of doubt it. Yeah, yeah, let's hope not. On
1: the salvage planet, Osira held a Starfleet badge from the late 24th century, like those seen in Star Trek Picard. Hmm.
2: Any thoughts on that? We saw it on Hunan, so... Yeah. They pick a Picard-type badge, than something older, though. Yeah,
1: yeah. Our Sarah's ship is named Viridian, which is a color that mixes green and blue and an appropriate name for the flagship of the Orion and Doran Emerald Chain Alliance. Osiris uses the Bajoran measurement of land area. Heckapte? <laughs> <laughs> Hecktakter? I thought it was hectare, but. When threatening how much of you know, the planet she will destroy, I'm going to draw huge squares. Okay, yes. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Saru workshopped his catchphrase, reminiscing of Captain Freeman doing the same thing on Star Trek Lower Decks. He's working on a catchphrase to give orders in a cool way and having a rough time. Having, having Captain Pike say, hit it, was first induced in Discovery Season 2's debut episode, Brother, but. It should be noted that Pike said Engage in the original series, Pilot the Cage, Captain Frimian faced a similar uh, debacle uh, lower decks earlier this year. The catchphrase candidates suggested or attempted to include execute. That's, I wouldn't say execute. No.
0: that
1: <laughs> <laughs> would have a double meeting. Hit yeah. it, which is possibly a different spin than Captain Pike. Manifest. Uh, I, I, someone said manifest. I'd be hiding him a, a clipboard. Here you go. Yes. <laughs> or carry on. And carry on is too soft too. Carry on. That sounds a little flippant. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. Tilly needs to come up with. Yeah, Rick better than <laughs> any of those. No wonder, no wonder she's a temporary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first, you have
1: to get me a good catchphrase, then you could be permanent. Yeah. So, Discovery also first used a method of transmitting a signal to an entire species in the sound of thunder. In that case, it used to evolve all Kelpians through the Bahari. When Seru asks Adira to isolate aspects of the music in the Nebula, they find a Federation uh, distress signal. Of course, they did. Yeah. <laughs> The sound effect sounds a little bit like the computer alert from the next generation era. But the way in which they decipher the sound information is a little bit like the way Uhura and Spock break down the alien probe signal in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Good reach back. Yeah. Speaking of audio Easter eggs, when Saru enters the bridge early in the episode, we hear the three-note bosun's whistle. That's so familiar, I don't even notice it. Yeah. <laughs> I just expect it, like, duh, of course. This has origins in actual naval history, but for Trek fans, the sound effect is most famously associated with the original series. Like I said, I didn't even notice that after a while, well, in the original series, I just expected it.
2: Right. I supposedly yeah, you noticed, noticed
1: it, it if you didn't hear it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When Detmer decides to go full manual control of ship, he suddenly has a couple of nifty joysticks i thought want to play a game yeah <laughs> is that a boomer reference but you guys have to figure that one out yourself right <laughs> this seems to be a reference to the manual steering column on the enterprise from star trek insurrection in that film Wrecker flew the enterprise much the same way detmer flies book ship here i don't know why they do they don't do that more often it's a lot more fun yep <laughs> <laughs> and of course who guess who directed that movie and this episode that's right jonathan friggs he uh I think he's known for, uh, as a director for adding a certain amount of humanity to his direction, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I like what he brought out of Detmer. Yes. It turns out Book and his species aren't space wizards, but instead, as Burnham says, they are empaths. Huh. This is a wing to the uh, original series episode, The Empath, but also to the most famous empath in Trek history, Deanna Troy. I wonder if we'll see her again. And lastly, Burnham also mentions that the discovery will amplify the empath- empathic signals of Book. And Kaheem, just as I did on Kamenar, the difference on this Discovery Season 2 episode The Sound of Thunder. Why not? Easy yep. solution, get it done. <laughs>
0: <Like always.
1: laughs> yeah, it's like always. Hey, they're the Federation.
2: Yep. It was great to see when Detmer goes manual and Grudge <laughs> jumps on Rin's <laughs> oh. lap. What is
1: this? That was awesome. That was <laughs> us. What is this it's a cat? As in a pet? Yeah. <laughs> then of course it just stays there. He's like holding on to it. I thought the thing would like Grudge would just jump off and run, but right. then he, instead they're like bonding with each other in their <laughs> in their sheer terror. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I'm working on tinfoil hat theory for this episode and trying right. to figure out you know, what the uh, uh, the signal is coming from the middle of that nebula. Right. Yeah, the first thing I thought is that the Red Angel suit, for some reason it got interdimensional or stuck, Then I thought, ah, if it's a ship, and they're assuming it's a ship, right? because it's a Federation signal. how do you know it's just not the suit, and it gets stuck? Right. Well, the suit uh,
2: wasn't really a Federation
1: device. No, but uh, well, maybe it's carrying a signal from the Past, like you screwed up. Right, you're ruining, you're ruining the the timeline, and we're using it as a distress signal because we know it can read back to. But she said it it should have destroyed itself, right?
2: Right, yeah, that was the the signal was the suit would explode. And that would let Spock know that Michael made it, but did it? Yeah, we don't know. We they didn't no. do a cut shot showing right. Spock seeing it, so we don't know. So yeah, don't it,
1: know. It, it, It's possible it could be the red suit. Yeah, it could be. An, I mean, it could be an alternate dimension ship. I mean, if they if like I thought that uh, Michael Burnham created the burn because they named it after her. <laughs> right. And it could be, uh, it's either something from the past or the soup from the past that they sent through this a wormhole to, to, to tell her she's made a, a terrible mistake, right. perhaps, with this whole burn thing. <laughs> or, I don't know, it just created a whole new timeline, and this ship from another timeline is trying to communicate with them. Right. Or or sending a distress signal trying to get back to its own timeline, because it's stuck right. in the future. Or I even thought, well, maybe it's Terran. Well, they didn't have a federation in the Terran universe, or did they? Yeah, they did. They were just evil. Right. Yeah, so maybe it's that, and they don't realize it's a a Terran federation ship. That's a a little iffy, but, you know, at this point, why not? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's all kinds of possibilities. It could be a ship from the Temporal War. Yeah. Which would be pretty cool, but it it could be just a regular, you know, another starship, you know, Starfleet ship that has gotten stuck, but it could send Giorgio back to the 23rd century. Yeah. So, at least she won't fall apart. So, that may end up being how we get Section 31 in in the past.
1: Right, right. Well, we have to send you back so you don't die and you get your own series. Right. Boom.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She's like, deal. So we do have some feedback. As always, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has given us some feedback, so let's
3: take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 8. What did I like most about this episode? That was actually the interview in the Ready Room with Ian Alexander and Blue Del Barrio. This was not the best episode. Book's home planet with the fight with his brother. I didn't like that too much. I had a bit the impression of the last season of Killjoys where the quality of the storytelling got less and less and then that whole thing with that infestation on this planet by these beautiful floating plants or animals and at the end the two brothers were able to just convince them to go back to the sea just by their empathic powers. What the heck? And and the discovery had to boost that, really. And are these two brothers the only two empaths on the planet? Couldn't they boost it with just more people? I found it all a little bit far-fetched. I also have some problems with Odessa. She is not really convincing. I mean, it's just in in the acting or something like that doesn't really feel like a real threat. The whole thing about Georgie is getting annoying. They can speed that up a little bit. But if we see the ready room and we also see scenes of next episode, we probably will get more insight into that next week. What I did like is the interaction between Tilly and the Andorian and the Andorian and Detmer. Detmer. That was quite okay. Piloting Booker's ship and the way she did that and the success she had with it is probably very good for her self-esteem, something she probably really can use at the moment. Okay, I will stop my rant here and leave the positive feedback to others. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Fred sets a high bar.
2: Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best. No. Yeah. I
1: don't. You kind of alluded to it yourself, like, what the heck? That's your solution? Why didn't they reach that a long time ago with everybody empathing together? Well, right. so maybe he needs a starship to do it. But I, I get what I get. What Fred's saying. Right. You know? Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think, like I thought, that the, it was Frakes downscaling the episode a little bit without making it too cosmic, giving a little more humanity to everyone, but uh, and then wrapping it up in a nice bow at the end. So, I guess that's what Fred has a trouble with. I I like that Fred uh, wasn't impressed with Osiris either because neither was I. You know, he wasn't that threatening.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, we've got the biggest BA in the universe on the (laughs) ship. So, two universes. Yeah. (laughs) So, you've got to be a. There's a high standard for being a baddie here,
1: and uh, yeah, she didn't that wasn't look it. Close to it, <laughs> better nephew to a sandworm. Yeah, what else you got? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Wizard of Oz with the big green threatening face. Yeah,
2: it, I got that feel too.
1: And that was all. That was all a fraud. I wonder if there's uh, some fraud behind her. Of she could. Any bully's a fraud anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, and as far as uh, Giorgio and dragging that out, I I guess they're dragging out because it's going to be a major. Your plot point.
2: Yeah, they've, they've got to have some way to get her to where she needs to be for her series, whether yeah. that's in the past or in the present. Right. <laughs> There's just got to be one some way to do it. and So that's Next week we'll probably get more information on that and you know, I don't know what they're gonna do with the burn. Yeah. You know, know, are we gonna go to the nebula? Oh
1: week? yeah. They're gonna go to nebula. It'll be the suit and they'll put the suit on uh Giorgio and send her back. Giorgio and send her back. <laughs> Boom. Okay, everybody, you don't have to watch the episode now, I just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But as always, Fred, we do appreciate your feedback, and let's hope next episode is more to your liking. Yeah. Now, we also have some more feedback, this time from Jazz, so let's hear what she thought about the episode.
0: Hello, this is Jazz. And I have a review on Season 3, Episode 7. I thought it was great that the doctor showed genuine concern for Georgiou's brain issues. And my first favorite line of the episode was that brain issues start off small. It's, what was I looking for again? Where'd I bury that last body? <laughs> and she was not he wasn't taking any of her crap. And I love that First Officer Tilly had the awesome idea of taking a separate ship with the best pilot, who gone rogue. Hint, hint, and kicking ass and taking names. I give props to Wren for being able to get approval from Grudge and hold on to a cat while going in a dogfight. So props for both of them for that. Very well done. I enjoyed it all. I think thoroughly that the series is enjoyable to watch. It keeps me very engaged. No pun intended. And I think there it's very solid writing. And I find it all very enjoyable when the time flies by. And I thought this particular episode was great to have all the other characters get a chance to shine. I thought it was interesting that the level by... Goes everywhere since the burn seemed to go everywhere. So everybody essentially knew the lullaby. Maybe it's like a subliminal suggestion. The ship that's inside the nebula could be her mom's ship. Maybe there was a ship that came with her when she went and did her red suit duties, and that ship is stuck. Maybe it's called the Tasha Yar or the second Nog or the Janeway or the Data or something like that so well I'm sure we'll find once the algorithm is complete and uh, let's see we have I love that they had a she they them chat and that it was just a small part of the episode not a big deal but yet was and was accepted, all right, no problem, very easily. I like that a lot. It's nice to see Stamets be a friend and proud of Adira's work. I would think it would be very hard to work and compete with somebody who had four lifetimes at their disposal to work on things, because that's an awful lot of knowledge that you have to sort through in your head. I love that they've asked for permission to help Book's world and not just go off on their own and they said okay great you're observing it's all good and book was saying no you've already met the family you've you've met grudge and she's like oh and i precious every i enjoy every minute which i thought was adorable because you know if you get the love of the cat that's actually high marks or dog for that matter but he has a cat. And, see, I had no sympathy for Tordor being dinnered to a transworm and dismembered. I think maybe the catchphrase Saru could use could be proceed, because I could see him saying that with gusto or no gusto, and it would still fit with his personality, because just hit it, wasn't hitting it for him. <laughs> And props to Ren giving the thumbs up, supporting our Detmer pilot saying, yes, he did an awesome job once he got J- Grudge settled and we went manual and kicked ass. So I thoroughly enjoyed it all. That's about it. You guys probably talked already about all the, the funny one-liners and jokes. I think that Giorgio actually is scared to death, but the way that she shows it is by pushing people away, sort of like a test to see if you'll come back. So I'm sure she is frightened, and I would think that the guy who originally chatted with her, I think, put something on her Starfleet emblem, because they swapped that back and forth, and maybe it was like blowfish toxin or something that you can't see or feel, and that might have seeped into her system and caused her all these issues, which she had not had up until this point so it would not surprise me at all if he just used her as a laboratory rat to see this i think this is what this will happen let's find out he doesn't strike me as a nice guy was the guy with the white hair so Anyways, hopefully we'll have a somewhat happy ending for that. I did see the previews where she was walking along the the snow-treadable areas. So hopefully that that will work out well for her. I think Tully is doing an awesome job until they find a more permanent solution. I thought it was cool that I was right because he developed a rapport with her. It's a lot easier to work with somebody who gets along well with others than to work with somebody who has a huge ego and smarts in some areas but not others. Sometimes that makes it more a challenge and an annoyance than a help which is really what the first officer is supposed to be a help to the captain not a i can't believe you did that kind of person so anyways i look forward to the next episode enjoy the podcast as always and hello to everybody near and far thanks
2: Thank you, Jazz, for that fantastic feedback. (laughs) Good tinfoil hat theories too. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, it uh was really nice to see both Culber and um, Stamets and Detmer get some much-needed screen time and you know really shined. I could watch uh, Culber and Giorgio dance around each other for hours. That would be just so great.
1: <laughs> they should send those two to a, a holodeck with some batlets.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you kids have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I think that Tilly is exactly the first officer that Saru needs right now, at least. And I think she's going to do a fine job as long as she doesn't have to go leave the ship. <laughs> I know she gets uh, a little unsure, and you don't want she she'll
1: stutter, and, and you don't really want that if she's in a tough spot. Of course, it's going to happen though. She's right. going to be put on her own. She'll get the big test. Yeah, but you know she passed a mini test when she uh, she told Rinda to stand down. Right. I like Jazz's take on uh, Michael's reaction too. That again, we spoke of Jonathan Briggs adding humanity to every character, and I know it's the same thing that Jazz did too—that right. the her big smile and and acting with Cook book cook yeah <laughs> fun cook. We found a, found, a, found a job for you on this ship. <laughs> what? I'm not going to run the library? I'm going to be working in the cafeteria? Right.
2: <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Jazz, for that great feedback, and looking forward to hearing from you again. We'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season, and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? They can go to
1: www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you'll find Several ways to contact us via email or through social media on Twitter. He's at Sawyer Steve, and my, I'm at the Real ID Dave.
2: Please review and rate us on iTunes and every other platform you're listening to us on as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcast.
1: The ninth episode is on December 10th. How did they do that? And it is titled Terra Firma Part 1. So until then, remember... This is Chief Engineer Steve. If you face something, you can beat it. And this is Redshirt Dave. And like Giorgio, I'm off to my very own gel exam, complete with joysticks. <laughs>